Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 24 of the Purple Octopus Red Sweater Podcast. My name is Evan, joined by Wes as always. Wes, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Doing good, man. we got a big episode ahead of us. We're going to do a ranking of our favorite, or not not favorite, the best um, retro jerseys of all time. We also have to talk one of our co- or co-hosts, one say which one it is, off a ledge. The other one's okay with getting shelled 11 to 2. The other one's... Uh, <laughs> Ready for some changes around here. So, uh, looking forward to getting into it. But what's what's new with you? Uh, did, you did you did you end up getting your top ten by the way or no? For moments, your... moments. I can't come together with ten. Like I can. Do, how like, how a... many do you got? Let's go with what. Do you got five at least? Uh, hold on. I, I'd have to go back and check. I think I could probably scrap together five. Because if you got five, we'll we'll just go five, and I'll and I'll do my top five, and then I'll even do my, and then I'll even I'll even run my other five. Uh, just because I did do ten, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was something I had thought about a little even before I had told, kind of told you about it, though. So, you know, I had a little bit of a head start on that. That's fair. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk to Red Wing fans off the ledge here. And we're going to talk about some things that are happening in the organization and mostly things that aren't happening in the organization. Um, but that, obviously, we know that, um, Stevie will uh, take care of in the off season uh, yeah. without a doubt. For sure. Uh, uh, like, well, like, sorry, just to, just to touch on that, just real quick before I lose what I'm going to say about it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are losing their shit on that. The, that Blashville still has a job. First off, they've lost 10 of their last 12. That <laughs> top, that alone is, is warped for a firing. Yeah, and, and then when when you're when one of those losses is an eleven to two loss, the worst in the salary cap era. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's another war for a, for a firing, which means obviously Eiserman has a plan that, hey, yes, he has a contract this year. It is a is it is a team option to extend him for another year. They do obviously are not going to take that option. And we'll let him go. So we, so it's not worth firing someone, in my opinion. It is not worth firing someone, bringing in someone new, changing yeah. a system, and then maybe, you know, maybe the guy that Eisman wants isn't available right now. Um, and you know, maybe we'll talk about that too on, on guys that we think are available and and guys that could come into play uh, possibly. Yeah, and uh, I think the biggest thing because what I alluded to is that like I need to be talked. Talked off a ledge. You seem like you're pretty cool, calm, and collected, which is crazy. But, like, I know I'm the one who, like, overreacts a lot more than you. So, I want to hear your take on this. But, like you said, you lose 11-2 and you get shelled. I forgot what the stat was, but, like, 74 games – or 74 goals allowed over your last, like, 12 games or whatever it is. Yeah. I thought it was nine games, but it could have been 12. even better. Or even worse in this case, (laughs) I guess. But, like, my point is that you're not going to fire your coach after the trade deadline when you're you're a bottom feeder. Like, what precedent are you setting there? To do yeah, that. it's it's not like all of a sudden they're missing the playoffs, and we're not oh, the New okay. Jersey Devils, and, and it's not like oh we didn't make the right move no, at the no, deadline no, no, no. to to make the playoff push. No, there was no playoff push happening, guys. There, yeah. there it wasn't going on this year, and and to, to be honest, I'm calm and, uh, about it because I'm at the pause at the at the feet of yes. Before anything needs to look up, we like. It's always darkest before the dawn. No, it's darkest in the middle of the night. And we're not at the dawn yet, but it has been the middle of the night. 
for and so, four so years we're now. Still gonna, so we're still going to be able to, to get a, I mean, uh, fuck, probably a lottery pick, man. Maybe a top five pick. Maybe we get oh, a lottery for sure. Get a yeah. one. I mean, you know, and then this, and then nobody will care about, oh, we kept Lashel too long. Nobody will even say that because yeah. finishing good in the standings and missing the playoffs and ending up with the 15th pick is worse than being embarrassed and getting the top draft pick. Yeah, I agree. And taking a look at the standings right now, like we're, we're going to have a lottery pick unless this ship turns around, which is not like this team is, I think what we see right now is going to be the Red Wings probably the rest of the year. Maybe not as bad because it were historically bad, but Buffalo is two points behind us. They're actually playing very good hockey. So they're going to jump us. We're going to be 25th overall in the standings drafting between, you know, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. If we drop six overall though, it's going to be beautiful. How like sad that is, but you know what? We've, we've done great drafting sixth overall. Uh, but past. it's all, but it's going to just be poetic on how Eiserman's going to put a team word. together yeah. of, of, you know what? He never, he never had the top pick in, in Tampa. Yeah. He, uh, unless I'm sorry, he, he probably was the GM when Stamkos was selected. And, and I mean, he had headmen and they had, uh, but, but it's, it'll be poetic that he's going to be able to put a team of guys together that should have been first overall. Like it should have been years where we were drafting first overall. Right. And, and if we had been, um, you know, according to Eiserman Sider, he had him ranked at one. And he had Raymond ranked right after Lafreniere. So, and Edmonton you know, was also if, ranked if, like two or three. Yeah. If we have Lafreniere instead of Raymond, I'm, I'm not okay with that right now. I'm not. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I'm happy with having the four pick and taking Lucas Raymond. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy with having the six pick and having Mo Sider over, over Jack Hughes. Um, yeah. Those are things I'm happy with. And, and we don't know exactly what Eiserman and the scouting staff and the, and everybody was thinking inner management uh, to what they were going to draft, but they've been doing very well. And um, for everybody crying about how bad the Pittsburgh game was and how shit our defense was, we got to remember that reinforcements are still on the way, right? Um, A lot of, and I'm saying it in the way of, in the way of Edvinson and I'm not expecting Willinder or Johansson uh, to be in Detroit next year. I would expect them to have a year of Grand Rapids unless they yeah. have, uh, you know, just gone away. A camp like um, Lucas Raymond did this yeah. year. And yeah, unless they have jumped that much in the talent pool and then they blow away and they make the team okay. But I I, I full on 100%, I would say right now, I don't expect Johansson or Wallander in Detroit. I, 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 I 100% expect Edmondson to be in Detroit. And so that's the beginning of the reinforcements. And then we also don't know what, did, what Eiserman does in free agency with $58 million, so much money. Yeah. And, and we don't really have anything to, to give uh, anybody to give money to rather. Yeah, I agree. And I think like the moral of the story is that like Jeff Blasio probably can't come back for reasons that are very obvious um which, well he's which lost is, the locker room for, he's lost the locker room and <laughs> i mean i think he lost the locker room a long time ago and i and i think i uh, that that eiserman is a professional and and enough um still um you know uh, the player that he was to to have probably told larkin probably not all the guys but probably larkin and the captain guys like Stahl 
uh, DeKaiser, Gagne, you know, the, the vets. Um, listen, guys, we know Changes the locker room's gone, but <laughs> it's not this year. So, you know, you know, and, and I mean, they all knew that this wasn't a playoff year. Nobody was, yeah, yeah. nobody came to training camp in Traverse City thinking we're going for the fucking cup that yeah. nobody had that on their mind. Um, except for maybe some delusional fans that think uh, any year, anybody can win it. But, but no, no player went to camp thinking I'm winning the Stanley cup with the Detroit Red Wings this year. I, I wanted to make a point also. And like a point that I've been making for a while now is like, this is a year that we needed to see development, which we saw like a lot of the guys stepped up, but this is also a year that I was like, we can't see the 11 to two blowouts. We can't see the seven to seven to three blowouts. We can't see the, five to one blowouts like repeatedly and it keeps happening. So I think a lot of changes are going to happen coaching staff wise, roster turnover wise. It's going to be a big year. Like you mentioned for free agency, we have $60 million in the bank. We have uh, probably six or seven um, expiring contracts. Check me on that. Could be more, could be less, but um, yeah, we're going to see a very different Red Wings team next year. And the exciting part is guys, that we've mentioned for the last couple of weeks and Red Wings Twitter and Red Wings media has been talking about guys like um, uh, Edmondson and potentially Berger and depending on how their camps go and how their, their development goes, we'll see them next year as well. So, I mean, yeah, there is the garrison is on route and uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's like, okay to be negative about this team right now. And like, you can't be a hundred percent serious about being negative too. You have to have like, a, you, you got to throw in some jokes. So like this team is still a dumpster fire. It's not going to change itself overnight. So. Well, absolutely. But we also have to know that it's a dumpster fire that is going up in the, in the right direction. Yes. And yes, yes. an 11 to two lead or 11 to two uh, embarrassing. blowout rather is embarrassing. And it's, and it's terrible. And it's a once in a, obviously a generation kind of thing, like a Connor McDavid yeah. or an Alex Ovechkin, but okay. It happened. And guess what? It doesn't, it's still just two points lost in the standings and and we still don't, but, but okay. But beside that, we still don't have our defense. Not, not only do we probably only have two sixths of what our defense will look like when we become a playoff team. Yeah. But, but the guys that are, will, you know, will be around next year still probably like a Lindstrom and a yield levy and a wallman, they're just coming in, like especially Levy and Wallman and, and Lindstrom playing in and out of the lineup so yeah. often. And so they're coming into a fresh system and playing with new guys, especially with how the Kaiser and Stahl and Letty were flipped all year playing with and with outsider. Everybody's all fresh and it's not uh, a defense meant to be awesome. And okay, it's not. And it wasn't. And it looked terrible. And it happened, and let's move on. I still think our defense again. There's, there's, there's. I've, I've been pounding coming. the drum though. The defense is terrible, man. And you, you tried to be like, it's not that bad, Evan, but it's fucking well, bad. No, okay, it's bad, but but I guess what I was getting at was the way I look at it. And I, I think you know I, this because you're now. way too positive the, about this. The way I look at it is, it's not bad for what we need right now. I, I, I understand where you're coming like, from. We but don't, we don't lose every single game. We've actually had a pretty decent season. I would the, say we've had a great season. From, really, to, to what we should have been, we were expected to, well, I mean, shit, Ottawa was supposed to 
blow us out of the water. Well, also, the rebuild's uh, over. Real so, quick, yeah. while on Ottawa, uh, just a rest in peace. Um, Eugene thoughts Malnick, and prayers yeah. to Eugene Malnick's family, longtime owner of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, that's tough. RIP. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, things, things will surely, I think, change in Ottawa without um, Mr. Melnick there. But I hope so, because I, I, I like the Senators fans. They're rowdy. They're like Vancouver. I, I like them as a team. And and I mean, it could have something to do with how much I hate Toronto and them being the, the interprovincial rivalry. Yeah. But... yeah, that's fair. Um, but well, that, yeah. that rivalry still doesn't get me as bad as uh, Calgary, Edmonton. The Battle of Alberta is far better than the Battle of Ontario between Ottawa or Toronto. And it's far better than a. Uh, I'd rather watch a Calgary Edmonton game than a Toronto Montreal. I have a dumb American question for you, because I remember for a long time when Calgary and Edmonton were dog shit teams. I don't remember it ever being the Battle of Alberta. Has it always been like that, or is it kind of like a new flame now that like oh, they're no. both good? Well, they they I guess. Um, I was actually thinking about that, like talking about it with my buddy the other day, um, where he said it kind of comes and goes, but I don't think. Yeah. And I told him, I don't think it comes and goes so much as sometimes they're both, and usually they, they dwell around the same area. Like if they're both really bad, if, if Edmonton's really bad, Calgary's probably not much better or vice versa. And if one's really good, then the other one is right there neck and neck. It's very, so they're always yeah. kind of just even, and, and which makes the rivalry good because it's like they're either fighting maybe for a playoff spot or fighting for the division lead. It's very New York uh, Yankees, Boston Red Sox vibes. That's what I'm yes, getting from. Which I love because I'm a diehard Red Sox fan. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we should talk some baseball at the end of the episode. But um, I have a couple of Red Wings news pieces here. The lines came out for tonight. Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond on the first line. Verona, Valeno, Gagne, second line. Ernie, Suter, Sunquist, third line. Hirose, Rasmussen, Sedina, fourth line. Um. Not a lot of whole lot. Not not a lot. Hey, of whole is Victor Bradstrom getting a start tonight? He no, he's he's backing up uh, Neddy. He got called up. This okay, morning. okay, Ned's okay to go. Yes, he's okay to go. It's, so it's Grice and Pickard are both not okay to go. Correct. Yeah. So Bradstrom was called up this morning. Uh, technically last night. Bradstrom. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, he, for the first time in his NHL career, he joins the active NHL roster. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. There was for a little bit of a time last year that he was on the taxi squad. Um, he was a uh, pick by the Red Wings in 2018. He was a six round pick. Um, this is his first year in North America. Yeah. The Sweden native hasn't had a great time in Grand Rapids. He's got Talk six, about a guy who, three. who had a good camp. Um, yeah, he did. I, I don't see probably much of a future with him no, sticking no, no. around. Um to be honest, I don't see much where Caden Fulcher sticks around because maybe, maybe, be, uh, but he, I mean, he's still playing pretty much at Toledo. Um, and, and really it looks like, I mean, you, I've been kind of tooting it all year where you've been kind of backing um, that, that Bednar probably is a bum where I, think I don't think he's a have, bum. Well, no, but I don't think you you thought that he was at the level that he's performed this year in the Quebec League. I don't think he's an I, NHL I, guy. But I oh I I think we are looking at at Coast and Bednar as our coaches are coaches are going to be our solid probably our franchise. I mean, let's Hopefully. knock on wood. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. definitely what we hope for is that he's our Carey Price, our Andre Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. our Mark Andre Fleury. Um, I think Jan Bednar is going to be 
right there and he's going to be his backup and um can i sell you on him being a tim thomas where he comes in when he's like 27 and has a good career after that because i just yeah, don't see tim him thomas didn't come in until he was like 36 i thought he was like 27 28 oh i think he was like 32 or 30 he might have been older yeah yeah okay well you get but, you just but yeah okay maybe he doesn't quite jump up yet but yeah. that, may, that may also be because um um don't forget Kosa. Now, if Kosa still even plays in the Western Hockey League next year, then he's still five years away from being um, six years away from being having to sign, which means yeah. we can still pay Nadelkovich to play with Kosa for a good amount of time because Kosa will still be on an entry level deal paying him under a million. We could still give Nadelkovich four or five million. Um, uh, you know, depending how how good Nadelkovich does turn out to be, but yeah. but in, in what we look at right now uh, to look into the future would be to say, yeah, if if Coase is on a a league minimum contract, uh, his entry level deal, I have no problem um, if Nadelkovich and him split time and we pay Nadelkovich five million dollars because you're not yeah. even paying two goaltenders. Realistically, that's fair. You, and have, you have Montreal that pays Price and and Allen collectively almost 15 million dollars and we can get away with a tandem like that for five million bucks Fair. when the cap will be higher even uh speaking of cap going kept going up went up by a million bucks um so yeah i mean that's kind of a nothing nothing story but oh hey i, I wanted to bring this up earlier right i forgot i wanted to bring it up in the intro but um el Sabatka, they parted ways with uh the red wings and el Sabatka are no longer Gonna be working together. Pardon me. Yeah, after fifty-one years. I I can't believe I forgot to bring it up. Yeah. What the? I, it's probably him retiring. He uh well so there is two statements. The Red Wings statement wasn't very directed towards Al, but Sabatka says in, in an official statement, quote unquote, "I love my fifty-one years with the Detroit Red Wings and would be happy would have been happy to be here for for fifty-one more years." Um. They kind of, I'm reading an article. They dive into his career. He, he he started. He was a he cleaned the building, the midnight shift, sweeping the floors, making three bucks an hour. Uh, yeah, I mean it's sad, and it was shocking too. Because usually when I hop on here, I just Google like Red Wings news, take some notes yeah. down. But that was surprising to see Sabaka's gone because he's like a figurehead in. Yeah, the I, like I gotta say that's that's a retirement thing, like. Let's let's put aside fifty plus years. Yeah, fifty man. years. That's that could cleanly be him saying, "Hey, you know, maybe he's got some grandkids, uh, well, new grandkids, or what, or whatever, whatever it could be." Um, I mean, it could be something else. It, um, it says it says okay, terminated sorry. terminated by the organization. Wow, Mister Positive. Okay, well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, we'll I don't find out. I'm sure we're going to find out. Say about that. I'm sure it'll come out eventually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's hope. Um, I still don't have a good excuse for why I don't see Karen Newman anymore. Uh, like, mm. holy moly. Mm. I, know, I know she's not the smoke show she was. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I was a little kid there, shit, man, I remember. I, I think they still yell at the Red Wing games, though. There's still somebody up in the upper deck that yells, Karen, I love you. You know, when she, when she does <laughs> sing the anthem. 
I mean, that's been a thing as far as I. She didn't remember. sing when my, I was there. My exactly. first game. No, no, she doesn't sing very often. I think only like five or ten games a year. Yeah. Um, if oh. even that anymore. But yeah, uh, I'm not I mean, as far back as I can remember, my first game I went to was in 1995. Um, <laughs> so I mean, that's as far back as I can remember. And Karen Newman was like, she was, you know, probably like 27 at the time, you know, in her absolute prime. So. But yeah, oh yeah, loved her. Now, now, now we got Carly, so everything's okay. True, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, so did you see that Claude Lemieux and Darren McCarty watched the? Uh, yeah. Watched the fight together. I didn't see. I didn't see too much of it. How, how was that? I didn't like watch it, but I, I, I knew. I heard that they were doing it maybe about a month ago or so, or maybe a few weeks only. Um, and then I did see some pictures, uh, maybe some clips on Instagram. I thought, uh, yeah, that's good. I mean, Lemieux, um, uh, not Lemieux, but McCarty rather is the stand-up guy that always said, you know, it, it's on the ice and it's off the ice. They're two different things. And, um, you know, he, he knows, and Lemieux, Lemieux knows, you know, he turtled for a reason. He needed to get the shit kicked out <laughs> of him. Um, you know, I, that's still my favorite thing is McCarty, is, is McCarty saying, I didn't sucker punch him. I cold cocked him. Yeah, yeah. People don't know a sucker punch is coming, but Big you difference. know when you're about to get cold cocked. He goes, and Claude knew it was coming. He said it, you know, and then and then people say Claude turtled, but but it uh, and they talk about it. I believe in the Russian Five documentary that yeah. that Claude didn't turtle. McCarty knocked him the fuck out with the first punch, and and Lemieux just dropped, and it happened to be the way he dropped with his arms on his head that looked like he turtled. And McCarty had no idea while McCarty continued to pump him. Now, the funniest I thought was they talked about it um, during Saturday's uh, Detroit Tampa game, which was the the 25th anniversary. Um, And they said that um, they had Shanahan sitting there and Osgood and Larry Murphy, you know, guys that were all a part of it. And um, with Shanahan saying after the game that he was in the dressing room, and the replay was on the TVs in the locker room. And McCarty was like, when did this shit all happen? Like, McCarty didn't know any of the other fighting was happening. McCarty thought all the cheers and everything were for him. Meanwhile, you know, Vernon's laying waste to wall and Shanny's beating the shit out of foot. And 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 I love, too, that when Osgood said, uh, you know, 25 years later, his favorite thing from that day is still just seeing the picture of Wah bleeding from his eye because he said, you know, Patrick thought he was the big tough guy, and there he was. He got beat up by Mike Vernon. And then, you know, and then little less than a year later, rather, uh, Osgood got to uh, give his licks to Wah, too. And, uh, yeah, Wah acted like a big tough guy, but he clearly wasn't because Vernon and Osgood yeah. were definitely not big gentlemen. So that game on – yeah, the Matt Nagam on Saturday against Phil, uh, Tampa Bay – uh, me and Lauren were just like kind of just day drinking, shooting the shit. And we had the game on in the background, like the clip, they kept showing the clips and Lauren's like, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, oh yeah, that's like the most infamous moment in the last 25 years for Red Wings hockey. Um, it's like the craziest shit. And she was having a kick out of it because Mick was talking about it and they like cut to that clip in the intermission. And also when the ice got bombed that, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're showing like Mick in the, the recording studio talking about it, but yeah, cool moment. It's crazy that, like, I, I think I talked about this on, like, maybe the first couple episodes, but, like, I'll show my buddies that that aren't huge hockey fans and, like, holy shit, this was, like, WWE on ice. Yeah. It was well, the craziest the best shit. was uh, Paul Dvorsky, <laughs> the referee, 
telling Mark Crawford um, when Crawford said, how the hell did McCarty only get two and a 10? And divorce yeah, said, yeah. I'm not fucking kicking him out yeah. of here. Claude got exactly what was fucking coming to him. McCarty like, stays in the game. <laughs> and then McCarty goes on. He scores the OT winner. Yeah. And I think he said something like, I probably should have kicked him out, but I knew it was the right thing to do to not kick him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I, it was funny, too. There was a McCarty at the game on Saturday. Uh, you know, in his red jacket and everything and his, and his red shoes with his black shirt and pants. And he, he was like, yeah, he goes, you know, I beat him and I beat him and I beat him again. He goes, and then we got out, he goes, and then guess what? It changed the course of Red Wings history for yeah. years and years. And he goes, and I can't believe it was 25 years ago. He goes, you know what that means? He goes, holy shit, drapes, you're really old. <laughs> yeah, dude. I just thought that was funny how he calls out Drapes. He's like, yeah, Draper, you're old. Like, McCarty, you don't look much better for her. Uh, <laughs> oh, he looks a lot worse for wear, I'll tell you. We got to send him a DM and see if he come on the pod and talk about that shit. Because, I mean, yeah. ever his, son, saying, his son's coaching, his son Griffin. Uh, Griffin McCarty, who was like three years old when McCarty scored the, uh, oh, baby, the game winner against Hextall. Uh, that, that to me is one of the prettiest goals that can be scored um, just because of what it, what it was. I mean, at the time it was a two, nothing goal. It was garbage, but then it's, sta- but then Philly scores with it. Do you know the goal I'm talking about McCarty on Hextall in, in game I, four? I, I'm going to look it up. Oh, in, in the win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, yeah, in the yeah, game yeah. four, it was one, nothing. McCarty dances around. I think it was Desjardins who was the defenseman. And then still, like, as he doesn't look like he could even skate, he keeps the puck, yeah. dances around Hextall, who's one of the all-time greats. And uh, and then, you know, and then and then Philly ends up scoring with, like, three seconds left or eight seconds or something like that. So, I mean, it ends up being held up as the game winner, the Stanley Cup winner, and then to boot, it's Darren McCarty doing that to, <laughs> to Desjardins Hextall, who are – who are Hall of Famers, and this right. guy's a fourth line plug. Um, was a what plug he was at, a Hall at the of time. Fame team, yeah. yeah, a plug, a plug that could go down as one of the. He's definitely uh, in the in the uh, the plug Hall of Fame if there, mm-hmm. if there was mm-hmm. ever one. Um, a fourth line Hall of Fame. Um, it would definitely have Darren McCarty. It would probably be one of the starting uh, members of that line. But, when did uh, McCarty yeah. start doing media for the Wings? Like what, three, four years ago? Yeah, and it's kind of not even really official. He kind of just like shows up on the side. He wants to. Yeah, yeah. But he's really an interesting guy. There was a couple of years ago. Uh, my buddy lives uh, on kind of just kind of off this quaint little street where it's kind of just like you know little little streets and little shops and bars and pubs yeah. and restaurants and everything. And uh, so we were at this little pub like twenty steps from his house, and uh, we're outside having a cigarette and. This old beat up uh, Cherokee Jeep Grand Cherokee shows up. It was like a nineteen like eighty nine ninety group Jeep Grand Cherokee, and this guy gets out ripped up blue jeans, uh, just a black shirt looked like it had some holes in it, and a hat, a beat up hat on, and these big boots that were just muddy, and like every step he took, it looked like a whole boot of mud fell off. <laughs> and uh, we're outside having a cigarette, and then he comes, he goes into the bank. And he just hits the ATM and he comes out. And I'm telling my buddy when he went in, I'm like, the guy looks a lot like Darren McCarty. My buddy's like, Darren McCarty doesn't walk around looking like that. I'm like, 
Uh, he might. I think they're McCur- So anyway, she comes out of the fucking bank, and I'm like, D-Mac! And he's like, boys, what's up? And I'm like, I <laughs> told you it was him. <laughs> and he's like, how you guys doing? And he just, he's getting in the truck. He's like, have a beer for me, guys. Let's fucking rock. Let's go Red Wings. And my buddy's like, I can't believe that. That was actually Darren McCarty. And I was like, I told you it fucking was, man. Yeah, legend. <laughs> um, any more Red Wings stuff before I move on? Uh, like to continue the curious case of uh, Yan Draws. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you want to touch to that? Yeah. I- I'm so, going to take a piss while you, while you talk about this. I'll be on Yeah, mute. for sure. So uh, what we talked about was uh, that um, a few weeks back, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, announced that Yan Draws had been reassigned by Pittsburgh from Wilkes-Barre to Grand Rapids. Um, he's a 22-year-old winger that was drafted by Pittsburgh in the fifth round uh, 2017. He's now in his third season playing this year with Wilkes-Barre. He had four goals and six assists with 10 points. Um, so he's been reassigned now to Grand Rapids where he will play out the rest of the season for the Griffins. And if Iserman sees, he will be a restricted free agent at season's end. If Iserman sees fit uh, that he likes draws and uh, decides to bring him back in, then he is completely 100% part of the Red Wings um, at the end of the season as an RFA. Pittsburgh has no um, rights to him anymore, uh, pretty much. However, they do pay him for the rest of the season. He's te- And what it is, is it comes down to a future consideration from a trade in like 2007. Jesus Christ. Uh, Yan Draws is now going to be considered as the future consideration okay well yeah that was a weird story um not a lot to it but let us have that one guys it was cool to break that down because not a lot of media was covering that so it was cool like for me and west to kind of break that down and talk about it but yeah um i think we can get into nhl news not like a ton because it is kind of like dead season right now in the uh, media cycle but i think the uh evgeny dadnov uh, anti-trade the trade that never happened the trade heard across the world that never happened um yeah the trade a, that could have been the trade that could have been um do you have like the breakdown offhand or do you want me to do it real quick yes i got it so Beautiful. you mean of everything that kind of transpired here yeah and the whole like senator situation how they fucked up and that organization yeah yes um so I believe it ends up being not the senators who fucked up, but um, Dadadov's agent who believed that once Ottawa traded him, uh, the no trade thing was gone. After he was once traded, his no trade uh, clause was now now erased, which ended up not being, not being correct. Case. Right. Um, so anyways, it was, it was probably really a case of everybody – um, be it Dadinov, his agent, um, not so much him, but a little bit him because he should know what's probably going on. But also, uh, how much do they really know? So maybe let's put it on his agent. Uh, let's put it on Pierre Dorian. And let's put it on, uh, is it George McPhee, I believe, in Vegas? or Yeah, McPhee. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's put it on all of them for not really knowing what was going on when well, he was yeah. first dealt. So then he now gets moved 
um, to Anaheim. And apparently he was in the dressing room uh, working out with some of the guys in the, uh, in the fitness room. And he, and the, one of the, I think it was Patchy already. They said, walked in and said, Hey, uh, dad's you're gone to Anaheim and dad not, didn't even stop his workout. Like, no, and, he, <laughs> and he looked at, uh, he, he looked at stone and said, they're on my no trade list. I'm not even going to stop working out. <laughs> okay. So I've heard a couple different things about that. I've heard that I've heard that some similar to that, but I've also heard that when Ottawa wanted to move him, they were like, you, you got to give us 10 teams to the no trade list. And he was like, I don't care. Name 10. I do it for me. And like, well, we, we legally can't do that. Give us 10 names. So he just like scribbled down 10 names probably at the time. Well, uh, and two years ago, sorry to cut you off, but two years ago, Anaheim would be a team that you wouldn't have wanted to go to. Well, he doesn't want to go to California in general because the the taxes like that. He he is he he had mentioned that before. Um, yeah, so he's it makes a resident oligarch. He's fucking. He's getting all his bank right. accounts frozen. Probably holy shit. But basically, what happened? Fast forward to 2022. Vegas should have done their due diligence. They're they're trading for an asset, and like Vegas has been known to not do this sort of stuff like do the, you know, behind the scenes work to make sure that these trades are going to go through and that they're going to be like yeah. crispy and clean. Um, so I put blame on them, but I also put blame on the senators for not supplying the correct information, whether or not it's their fault or not. Like they should have also done the due diligence. So I don't know. It, it, it's definitely a sticky situation. It also is just like such a NHL fucking thing to do to fuck this up. Like not have yeah. a trade go through. Yeah, for sure it was. Uh, some definitely some people I think at the NHL offices, uh, the league offices, whatever it is, uh, maybe slipped through. And I mean that doesn't usually happen. So hey, if they make a mistake once in a while, they get real busy on those days like you know free agency, the first that day, see that day, argument and trade deadline. If they make one mistake, hey, if they make one mistake, we've never heard about that before. Somebody made one mistake. Okay, you don't usually use your job for one fucking mistake. Uh, depending how good you are at your job. Now, if you've, if this is the first thing you did and you made a mistake, but if you've done 500 things and not made a mistake, you're probably all right. I see. I agree, but what you can't count the NFL on. Cause that's like the most corrupt organization in sports, but other, other major sports organizations, this stuff wouldn't have happened. You know, the NFL, maybe I could see cause like the owners are dipshits and the league office kind of sucks, but Besides no, that, but, but I can happen. see it, but I can see it from the point of um, Ottawa didn't transfer the, 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 the trade request, obviously I, I, the, I, the, yeah. the paperwork to Vegas, uh, which means it didn't get moved to the league offices. Right. So well, it I was, mean, it was some really, yeah, they come to found out it was, it was, I no, it wasn't even that it was submitted. It was on record um, with the league offices, the contract, that it wasn't just dismissible upon his first trade that he's out of a no trade clause. So the agent yes, had it on yes, file. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so the NHL not having the paperwork is just them missing as um, not really even screwing up as much as they, they had misinformation just as much as, as Vegas had misinformation on that. They couldn't trade him to the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. And like, it's really not that as nuanced as we're making it seem, I feel like it, it should be very simple. Whatever. I think that's a pretty good diagnosis of what happened. It's a shit show nonetheless, but it happened. He missed a couple games. He was welcome oh, hey. back like a hoorah. Holy shit. You and know, when he's a Ve- good player. I was going to say that night or 
the night after, I, I guess it would have been uh, a couple when, night, a couple nights later. Yeah, he, when he was able to come back, I think it was Friday night. Yeah, when Vegas announced his name in the, in the lineup, the crowd went fucking nuts. So that's sick. Um, yeah. Speaking of Vegas, though, currently as we speak on five thirty-two, six thirty-two, your time, uh, March thirtieth, they are not in a playoff spot, and they are four and six in the last ten. Dallas looks like they're going to uh, steal that uh, second wild card spot. So. Yeah, and I think Vegas is a team that, sorry to cut you off there, I think they buried themselves. But go ahead with what you were saying, and then we can... No, I actually... Wow, we actually probably very much agree on how Vegas fucked themselves over and over again. Um, trying they, to... They've gone out every year. They, they had the big luck the first year. Yeah. They got so lucky. And I'm not going to say it wasn't good management, ah. because it really was. Yeah. There was players available that were on big contracts that teams had to let go of. Guys like a James Neal, yeah, um, who who they took, and, and he had an awesome time in Vegas. He played great. Same with David Perron. Um, they just happened that they were able to at that time. Mark Andre Fleury, the best goaltender of his generation, was available. He's he's the Martin Brodeur, the Patrick Wall, the Dominic Hasek <laughs> of his generation. He was available. They got him, and then they've they've they had that success, and they wanted to continue that success. So they continued it and they continued it. And now they've backed themselves right into salary cap hell. And it begins hell. with not being able to trade to Denov. They needed to move to get Pachi ready or stone off of uh, LTIR. And it hasn't happened. So they're going to have a tough time because they are going to be crushed Fucked. against the salary cap. Worse than the Toronto Maple Leafs are until the Toronto Maple Leafs see the next high price free agent throw. Worse than the, yeah, like worse than the Lightning, worse than the Panthers. But yeah, I don't even think the Lightning are in a bad spot because they still have the core of that team locked up long time. That, but they could all, they're also a team that like is going to benefit from using LTIR. That's a, like, that is like to me is like if you're a playoff contender using LTIR, that means you're pushing up against the cap. No, but I, uh, but I think it, I don't think teams dis, I, I don't think teams abuse it. And maybe I'm, the, I think I'm teams definitely abuse it. I, I, okay. I mean, they should, though. I they definitely Tampa should, though. Abused it. I don't think Tampa abused with it with Kucherov? Kucherov. I know, I don't think they did. I don't think you can tell me that a guy that just won the Stanley Cup at 25 years old wants to sit a whole season just so he can win another Stanley Cup. No, you want to play. You want to fucking score goals. You want to get points. You want to be on the fucking ice. You don't want to sit and, oh, yeah, I was the injured crybaby. just came right. No, you don't want to do that. You don't, you, you don't want to do that. And I don't think Stone and Padgett are ready or doing it or anybody else with the with the Vegas. Um, I, I No, I think, I, I think and... that's out. I think I don't think people do that. I think to say that at, pro athletes would miss complete I'm not, I'm not seasons saying... of their careers, I think is, is absurd. And I yeah. just am totally against saying that team. No, Maybe, and, and you know what? If it gets abused in the fact that, yeah, Kucherov was maybe ready a week ahead of time last year and he wouldn't have been That's... able to be recalled. Well, then guess what? It's not just the Tampa Bay Lightning team doctors. It's National Hockey League doctors that have to clear them to come on or off of LTIR. So now you need to put that on the National Hockey League. It's yeah. not on Tampa Bay abusing it because what if the NHL said, well, Cooch is good. He's off LTIR. Well, now you got your finger popping your own asshole and you're fucked. <laughs> and no, okay. so I don't, th- I don't I, think I, it's abused as greatly as people believe it is. Maybe I, a little bit, but I don't believe as much as people think. 
I think that, it is. That it would make any kind of a difference. I think it's a terrible rule by the NHL. Like it's a lazy rule, and like teams have exploited it, which is like good for them, good on them. Like if you can exploit a rule, do it 100%. I think that in Kucherov's case, even if he was ready to come back a month or a month and a half, two months early, why not keep him on LTAR to save that money? You, you got to have the conversation with Cooch, like, hey, we found a little loophole here. We're going to go to cop. Yeah, we'll put right, a ring but, in your finger. But again, it's NHL doctors that have to approve incoming or outgoing long-term injured reserve. So sure. it can't it can't just be them saying, hey, Cooch, listen, you're, you're still hurt because the doctor is going to do the test. And I mean, if he can yeah. fool, I mean, I've fooled doctors tests before. I mean, when I was a little child, I, I used to. I don't want to go. I think I got a sore throat. Oh, yeah. And then I'd go to the doctor and he'd literally go, oh, oh, but oh you, yeah, you playing, got some swollen glands. <laughs> Take three days off school. And I was like, bro, I just wanted to miss one afternoon. Like, fuck. But you weren't playing hockey for seven sheets a year, though. Well, no. <laughs> I know. And, and, and my doctor was shouldn't have been by like, but I mean, the NHL doctor should say, hey, yeah, no, this guy's good. Like his knee's good or whatever. Fair. All right. You want to do uh Retro jerseys, top five. Yeah, let's do it. So, 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 explain exactly what we're doing, uh, how we're going about it. Yeah, so we'll do like a little snake draft here. So, I'll I'll give you the first pick if you want it. Uh, let's go back and forth, basically picking. But so what are we doing? Are we doing like reverse retros, retro, no. or just like the best jerseys of all, any jersey ever of all time? Yeah, I guess. If you want to do reverse retro, sure. I think you're a sorry sack of shit if you're picking reverse well, okay. retro. Like... No, that's all I'm saying is because you were saying retro jerseys. So we're just picking any jersey of all time, the best. Yes, that aren't currently worn by NHL teams. That aren't normal jerseys. Alternatives count as long as they're not being worn right now. So like, if you want to pick Arizona Coyotes, the Kachina, you can you can choose the Kachina, just like the Jimmy Roenick. Yeah, but their Kachinas are their everydays now. But you can choose like the 1999... Yeah, the Jeremy Roenick Kachinas. Yeah, but they're the same right now. Okay. Anyway, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So if I wanted to say, like... Vancouver still wears their alternates from 96. Yeah, yeah, okay. That Well, that's what I'm getting at. Those are, yeah. Like, the, you're talking about... Those are available. Yellow? Yeah, like the yellow, like, circle oh, thing. Oh, I think yeah. that's a sharp pocket jersey. It's so what? Sharp. So first overall pick, I'm picking the best jersey? You can pick your... I'm picking like my favorites. I don't care if they're the best. These are my personal favorites. Okay. I'm, I'm first overall, I'm taking uh, the Chicago Blackhawks with the black you jersey. Sick fuck. You not sick the red, fuck. not the white, the black, man. That was the sharpest fucking jersey I've ever seen in my entire wow. life. Wow. That kind of hits home that you picked them first overall. That, that, feels, like, that feels like a shot. That feels like a it fucking wasn't shot. A shot, man. That's a sharp fucking. Jer- you know that you know that that logo is probably one of the best in professional North American sports, Not and that worst. that black jersey pop. I know you hate it because of everything that's gone on with them this year, and and because you're a Chicago guy, but but that jersey it pops, it slaps, it creams on me. I got it. I'll sure. take it. Okay. I I will admit it's it's a, it's a good looking jersey. How many rounds are we going here? We'll see five. We'll see five of like okay, our favorite okay, retros. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the Quebec Nordiques, the white jerseys. I think those are the best. White They're with so, the baby blue. Baby blues with that, that nice burgundy trim. They're beautiful jerseys. Classic. I think that era of jersey is so good where 
like the 90s obviously was so like chaotic and there's just shit all over their jerseys this is a different take on that i think it's very clean colorado's worn it a couple times they they wore it a couple times last year two years ago whatever it was yeah just they kind of got the, they put the like the avalanche burgundy on it that's a yeah. sharp jersey that's very a really sharp. sharp jersey yeah i'd love to see that. like and when you see that in person <clears throat> when you see that in person the lights pop off of it that white really shines oh it's great yeah that's a good one okay oh so you go again now because it's snaked right yeah, let me get the uh, Colorado Rockies jersey. So the Devils. Woo! All right, I'm going to grab a jersey here that I got up next then. Okay, I'll explain it while you're doing that. So yep. the Rockies, it's my go-to Chell jersey when I'm playing with the Devils. Or when I do like my um, uh, World of Chell, I always pick the Rockies. That blue with the red, it reminds me of like a hockey or a, a baseball jersey mixed with a hockey jersey. It's beautiful. They only had it for a couple of years. Only wore it a couple times on the ice, but I think it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Very similar to like Quebec where it's uh, refined, not much to it, but it's great. All right. So for my second overall pick, this is one I, I really, I kind of forgot about when that I took Buffalo? first. No, but uh, okay. This is, this is my, uh, my minor hockey Jersey from when I was a kid. But okay. it collapsed with the uh, – it's a replica of the Rangers uh, triple oh. their, their jersey with the Statue of Liberty yes. front end. Uh, you know, the letter pops – the lettering pops off it. Man, the logo pops off it. Those colors pop together. That's what I'm taking, number two. That is – I think that was the 05 year. It was something like that. It was also the reverse retro jersey last year. It's beautiful jersey. Like that was on oh, my yeah. list for sure. You know, and, and I think I probably have I'm, a, I'm maybe a little biased towards it because it was my our minor hockey league colors, but uh but that's yeah. a great pick. That's a great pick. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna uh third, I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go back. Uh we're gonna talk about the, the two thousand four Stanley Cup champions. When they wore these beautiful, oh, beautiful shit. lightning jerseys. Look at that. I love how the number pops off those ones. Le Cavier. Dif- different number, different letterings on it. Oh, yeah. That, that was team a was jersey sick. to me that crushed it. I still love the lightning uniforms, their jerseys. But that, to me, that, that jersey really crushed it. I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning, all their entire history, have always had great jerseys. They yeah. never missed. Yeah, they don't. Um, <laughs> and I mean, fuck, like the lightning, it's such a, how can you really go bad? And then bolts, like it's such a come at you nickname, like, yeah, the bolts got yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and take it because you just took the lightning jersey. I'm going to do the, almost the same jersey, but the uh, the lightning bolt jersey with like where the uh, forearm sleeves had the lightning bolts on them. I don't even think they wore them in a game. They might not have, but Oh, I, you know what oh, I'm talking you're about? talking. Yeah, they wore those back in like with like the gold lightning bolt. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, dude, they wore those back in like the 90s, like the original. Was that uh, like one or two years? Uh, they may have just been like a third jersey. I'm not 100%, but yeah, it was back in the those original years. Dude, that jersey is like, I don't know. Something about that just like speaks to me. It, it's so ugly, but it's so beautiful in the same in the same yeah, vein. Yeah, no, yeah. My buddy, uh, my buddy Brian Green. He always used to. Uh, he had a Brian Bradley one, and he always used to wear it when we went to games. He was uh, he's a Florida yeah. guy, uh, buddy of mine. 
but yeah, he was, he was from Florida, big lightning fan. And yeah, he always wore that to game. And I was like, Oh man, that Jersey. Yeah. I think that was the only time I'd ever seen one like in person. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so, yeah. Like I said, so I think you can like, use great. them on NHL on, uh, on EA sports. But, yeah. Uh, I think it's the 90, think you can. 94, maybe 93. I, I probably should have looked it up, but um, next pick, this one's also like one they only wore for a brief amount of time, but I think it's, they got to bring it back. The purple LA Kings jerseys. With the uh, with the gold, the crown. Yeah, the all the purple manes with the gold crown, the gold trimming. It's so great. I forgot what player it was, but he's got a big mustache. He's doing warm ups, skating with it on. It looks so good. It's like um. Yeah, like, I know the jersey you're talking about. It's a it's a sick jersey. It's so sick. They got to bring those back. I know, like the reverse retro was like the gold with the purple, but I think the inverse is so much better. But you're talking the gold and the purple with the crown, not just right. like the logo, like that old logo, the, the yellow, like yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Gretzky era. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the King's crown. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got you fucking toppled next, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fisherman Friend New York Fuck, Islander that's, That was my last pick. That was my last pick. That was my Get last pick. out of here if you aren't a fan of that jersey. It's so I'll sick. I had a neighbor, uh, uh, he was about probably 10 years older than me when I was growing up and, uh, he grew out of, he had one and had, I think, uh, it was Ziggy Palfy number 68 on the back. So he yeah. grew out of it, he gave it to me, and I loved that, man. I love that. Jersey. Okay. That's a great pick. That was on my list. I really wanted that one because I think the fisherman, it's either you love or you hate it type Jersey. And well, wait, wait, I just had a pick. So I get another pick. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Um, hold on one sec. I'm just trying to, um, the blues, when they did their, uh, last year, their reverse retro, yes. that was the red. Okay. That, but that the original one, like from when Gretzky and Hall were playing there with yeah. the blue, with kind of the, the going down on an angle Those gold are with the red and the, and the note. Oh yeah, I love that. Love that. And the gold and the gold lettering and numbering. Dude, the ones like they have like the big music notes on them. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those yeah. are oh yeah, those and I then had, and then fuck. they and then they did the reverse retro, which was like it was that, but in red, and it was like, oh, they never had that jersey before, so that's even sicker. Like oh, wait, hold same on. jersey, just in different colors. Hold on, give me one second here. I got I got something for you. I know it's not the same jersey, but I have something very similar. That's uh pretty fucking good. This guy right here. This is what we're yes, talking about? That jersey, yep. That's so awesome. What we're That's explaining awesome. with the uh Yeah, with that trumpet uh note with that says blues, yeah. So what we're but, explaining but yeah, the blue one exactly the same colors, but where yours is black, blue. Yes. And so then the reverse retro was red with um the reverse retro was red and blue where yours is red. Yeah, so what we're explaining is the night I think 95 jersey. It's the the black base with the yellow stripes, the red bottom with the big blue St. Louis note, and then the shoulders are like the trumpet logo, which is an all-time logo. Now, do you remember one St. Louis had where there was like a bunch of musical yes, notes yeah, all yeah, over yeah. and they were they they were never actually worn in game? Because they were put together by the marketing team. They were approved by the National Hockey League. And Mike Keenan was the head coach. 
So, and nope. Mike Keenan said those are never going to be worn. <laughs> I never heard that story, but that's fucking. Yeah. I, I, I Mike Keenan pretty worn. much just kiboshed those like jerseys. See, I love that era of uh, hockey jerseys where it's like just toss whatever bullshit you want in the jersey. We'll skate it on the ice. Let's do it. Um, my last pick is the I, I don't know what year it is. I think it's oh two or oh three. The um the Buffalo Sabres retro jersey. It's the red one that says Buffalo across the bottom of the jersey. Oh, with the with the saber head. Uh, similar or, to that, or just the one that they had on the reverse retro, but they did the reverse retro in the blue and gold with like the buffalo yeah, the two, and the swords, the, and two, the swords. two sabers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. the black. So there was a. Movie. I like the one. They need to go back. They need to reverse retro. They need to do the black, white, and red, the Chicago color with the saber head. They yeah. need to do that. I agree. Buffalo always like pumps out pretty solid jerseys for like alternates, but you got to bring this one back. The uh. The yeah, the Buffalo hat is unbelievable though, for sure. Yeah. Uh, did you have one last one, or was that it for you? No, that's all. Beautiful. I think that's a pretty all good right. list. How about uh, yeah, we got uh, our moments. You want to do your top five moments? Uh, yeah, I'll start. I can do number one since you got one last time. Mine is the uh, 2016 World Series Game Seven, Chicago Cubs versus Cleveland Indians. Um, that is now is that your top, or are you counting them down? That's my top. That's the best. Oh, okay. In, I was going to my... count down. I was going to count down, but oh well. I mean, I mean, whatever. We, I mean, here I'm, we I'm going to read down. my ten though because I did do ten, and I just feel really proud. So I'm going to do ten. Sure, go for <laughs> it. Okay, so my my number ten, counting down, and the now remember, guys, these are just in our lifetime. So mine are from 1987 on. I don't think I even have any in the 80s, but however, that's the time frame. And then yours are 90 what? like 2002 to on or what how old are you yeah probably so uh, well 97 on i guess but 97 on okay yeah um so number 10 i have uh october 23rd 1993 joe carter hits a home run and propels the toronto blue jays to -to back-to-back world series championships just like joe carter legend hall of famer all right what do you want me to just run them down or Sure. I mean, I got a couple more. I, I think my number two moment is Ovi with a cup when he's just screaming. Oh, fuck yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, that that was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, because like I grew up like watching Sid and Ovi and like to see Ovi finally get one because I liked Ovi better than. Uh, oh, I loved Cross. I loved watching Ovi get it and how excited he was. Like, yeah. like, so like, usually they're all calm and composed and he was just like out of his mind. Like, I did it. He I was already hammered. It. You know? I did it. He didn't even yeah. drink a beer, but he's already blacked out. Yeah, oh, yeah. So him likes doing that was just unbelievable. Go ahead. Go oh, back okay. So for number nine, I have um, pretty much it's from uh, 1999 to 2002. Um, one of my favorite players growing up, uh, Theo Fleury, um, had a very dramatic and uh, at sometimes uh, what was a very scary uh, downward spiral until the 2002 Olympics where he put himself back together and put it kind of put his life back together. Um, and I think that's big for me just because I was a big Theo fan and I, and I watched him fade out and, you know, he was just great. And then all of a sudden it was, he fell off and, and then he was able, and you know, he had all these demons that that we didn't know about at the time and, and him saying the refs were after him and guys were after him and the devil's after him. And, and it was like, oh, my God, he's crazy. You know, it turns out he had gone through a lot of rough shit and he was able to be able to, to put his life back together and um, finish his career on the high note that a Hall of Fame player should. 
Yeah, I think he also has the greatest goal celebration of all time. Uh, yeah. When he uh, skates on the ice on his knees. And uh, a former first overall pick copied that celebration, Neil Yakupov. I think I remember watching that live. I think it's 2007, 2008, something like that. Maybe a little yeah, bit. I don't know what the. So I think it was like 12, but okay. It might have been, yeah, because I think it was, yeah, he was the Eric Johnson uh, draft class, so 11, 12. Yakupov? Was Dude, Eric, jo- Eric Johnson was drafted in 06, first what overall. Was, what was uh, what was Neil Yakupov's? Was he 11? Yeah, he was like 2012 or something. He was after Taylor Hall. Oh, Christ. So maybe yeah, like 11. Stevie, shut the fuck up. Yeah, 2012. Um, right. I'd probably go with uh, my next one. Villanova versus UNC. March Madness Championship game. Buzzer beater. Um, just an unbelievable moment. Don't know too much context. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you don't know. But if you do, great. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you can just run through yours, honestly. Yeah, okay. Uh, At number eight, I got uh, uh, 1991, uh, the Major League Baseball bans Pete Rose from the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Um, That obviously is still a huge uh, block eye in the game of baseball, Mm -hmm. Um, a block eye on the name of Pete Rose and, and so many other things. Um, number seven, I can remember, I can remember, uh, my cousin's birthday. We were watching this game, uh, growing up, we were little kids. My cousin's about, uh, five, maybe five years older than me. Um, and, uh, he was a big Montreal fan, uh, and his older brother and me were big Red Wing fans and my dad, a Red Wing fan. And he was the only, uh, Habs fan. Everybody else would have been Leaf fans. But I remember watching this game. It was his birthday. We were at his house. It was December 2nd. It was 1995 when Patrick Waugh gets humiliated in a game against Detroit and actually decides to quit being a Montreal Canadian. <laughs> That's awesome. We had to watch that live. Yeah, I can remember. I, I can remember the announcer going, oh, and now he's going over to the to the general manager and the owner. And oh my god, he just flipped them off. <laughs> and that was it. See you later. Yep. I got uh this this one kind of changes because uh I mean, or maybe even even make go higher because of the return that he had. But February 2015 was was big when when Tiger Woods decided to retire from golf. Fuck, it's a good one. Uh but you know, and then to come back and and clip a fucking masters like you know like he had never missed one stroke um that was, was a unbelievable. sick moment yeah um another time that was big for me as a child uh, being a sports fan um from 1991 to 1999 uh michael jordan and the chicago bulls won three straight national nba championships then for two years michael jordan decided to retire to become a pro baseball player the Chicago Bulls missed the playoffs though two those two years and were in last place in January of the third year when he decided to come back. And then they just they won three more back-to-back back championships. They won six in eight years, and the only two years they lost, they didn't win the championship, rather, they didn't make the playoffs. And Michael was a pro baseball player. That that was huge to the fact that uh, yes, he was. Uh, Tony Kukoc and Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman, they were a part of that team, but they weren't that team. Like Jordan was that team. Like, like they were back to back to back champions. And then all of a sudden he decides I'm out 
and and they have the same team and they do nothing and then he comes back and is like hey guys watch it's not hard let's let's yeah. win three more in a row come on yeah that definitely like a personal note there yeah like he built he built a city he built chicago sports so and like even to this day like michael jordan is the only if you really break it down he's the only player that matters in in chicago history so yeah michael jordan is a god in chicago yeah. to this day uh this is a big one um one that probably a, a lot of people thought would would be crazy if i said it before it happened uh july 1st 1996 wayne gretzky is a free agent he of course decides to sign a three-year contract with the rangers but that just being uh, at the time that some team would let him go to uh, unrestricted status, like you're just going to let him hit the market. Oh my God. Uh, it happened. It happened in 1996. He was well in the downs of his career. Um, he still had a couple good years left in him. Uh, actually the day we're recording today, Wednesday, March 30th is the anniversary of, um, 25 years since his last goal in the, or sorry, 22 oh, years, 22 years, I believe, uh, 1999. Cool. So maybe 23 years. Yeah. 23 years since his last NHL goal. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, every time that he was traded or, you know, signed at a new team, it was like obviously monumental. And uh, I think we talked about it at one point, but originally when he was going to get traded to LA from Edmonton, he was going to be a Red Wing until his father talked him out of it. Well, yeah, he was going to, I think there was a lot of things on the table. There was uh, yeah. offers from the leaves. There was, yeah. I mean, I think at that time, everybody kind of had to put their hat in the rink. Yeah, that's true. Um, this is another one that, um, that I remember watching um, with such amazement because um, I was just starting to be able to kind of remember um uh, you know, being about five years old um, when he had to leave the game. Um, and on December 27, 2000, after five years of retirement because of terminal cancer, when Mary Lemieux returned mm. to being an active NHL player. Um, uh, I remember that being just, I remember two days after Christmas and they beat Toronto 5-1 and Lemieux had two goals and three assists. <laughs> and Toronto. Was like, has this, has this guy not played in five years? How did he just get five fucking points? Like, Poor Toronto, man. Poor Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. Uh, a very big one for me. I, I'll, I'll remember uh, forever also where I was on this day. Uh, from Again, it's February 24th, 2002. Uh, Canada upsetting the United States and winning. Yeah. Uh, maybe not upsetting, but beating the U.S. on home ice and, and winning the gold medal. Uh, in men's ice hockey at the 2002 Winter Olympics, I wouldn't say upsetting. I'd say, uh, no, I wouldn't say upsetting. Those were <laughs> no, not upsetting. Um, but they were they were just those teams were the last of those teams that we'll see that are just. It didn't matter that they were all 35 plus. You stacked that team because they were the best guy. Like I'm talking in the world. You yeah. know, we're talking about. Chelios and Hall and Amante and Leclerc and Mike Richter, you know, Brian Rafalski, Steve Eiserman, Brendan Shanahan, Joe Sackick, Brodeur, Wall. Like, was Pronger on that team? 
Yeah, Pronger. Yeah, I mean, I could name that whole Canadian team, uh, but that's disgusting. But, e- but either way, just off. Yeah. But either way, both those teams. Uh, one of the, my favorite things was I remember um, before those Olympics, like three months before the games, they had each country had to name eight guys before they named the entire right. roster, and, and Gretzky was so pissed off about it, and um, and and. Gretzky was at Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto to name Canada's first eight guys. And at the end, he, you know, he's, he's names like Korea and Nolan and Pronger and Sackick and Iserman and Scott Niedermeyer. And then he <laughs> says, uh, you know, and our last guy, he'll be Canada's captain is Mario Lemieux. And, and afterwards, Gretzky was asked by a reporter. He said, do you realize all eight guys you just picked are captains of their NHL teams? And Gretzky went, no, actually, I didn't even realize that. He goes, but that speaks to the depth that we have. Oh, my God. Yeah, your middle six forwards are Paul Korea <laughs> and fucking <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. I think they ended up with 11, 11 guys on that team were captains of their NHL teams that year. Like, that's a ridiculous amount. And of the 22, <laughs> probably 18 were Hall of Famers. <laughs> yeah, basically. Christ. Um, and then my first one, uh, is one that I don't personally remember, but it happened. So I feel like I had to put it on the list and I do feel like it was the, probably the biggest moment, maybe not, not looked at by our generation, but by our parents' generation and maybe generation before that, um, 1990 on February 11th for the very first and only time ever. World heavyweight, undefeated world heavyweight champion Mike Tyson gets knocked out by Buster Douglas. <laughs> Old James Buster Douglas knocks out Iron Mike. Uh, the first and only time, and that was huge. Uh, I mean, up to that, it was thought that I think Mike was... Um, Invincible. Yeah, exactly. He And, and I think toe-to-toe... I think you could probably go back to prehistoric times, go back to, to if cavemen really fought uh, saber tooths and dinosaurs and shit, give me Mike Tyson to beat that fucking caveman because I'll take Mike Tyson probably to beat any man that's ever walked this face of the earth. Mike Tyson yeah. in his prime uh, from 19, maybe late eighties, early nineties, that Mike Tyson will just destroy anybody that you can ever think of laying in front of him. I'm watching that fight right now. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of like the biggest moments, and yeah, wow. Uh, well, it was moment. huge, and Buster Douglas at the time was pretty much not nobody. He was nothing. Yeah, and, and he talked and he talked, and and Mike Tyson just kept laughing at him, and and he and he KO'd him, and it was pretty early on, I believe, too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was uh, definitely. I think probably the biggest moment in sports in my lifetime. Not that I do remember specifically because I was less than, than three years old, but um, it happened nonetheless. There you go. All right. Well, that was a good episode. We have Red Wings hockey in 27 minutes against the Rangers. Um, oh, hey. All right. One more thing. Let's talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a piss while I do this. Um, let's talk about um, who do you think we got? Um, we talked about Blasio probably being done. So who do you think's coming in? Who do you think's on the hot? Maybe yeah. if Eiserman's got, got a list of five guys right now, who do you think the names are? I don't know if I have a, like a list of five, but I know like the, the popular name right now is probably Igor Larianov. 
I don't know how plausible that is. I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I think it would be awesome. But like we've talked about it before as well, where it's like, yeah, you can bring back all these guys from like the heyday. And like they're probably some of like the smartest hockey minds of their time, maybe even now as well. But like when does that dry or when does that well kind of run dry? I don't know if it makes sense to bring Igor back. Um, but if it did happen, I'd be fired up about it. Of course, it's Igor. Um, the professor, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you have any names off off the top? I really don't, to be honest with you. Um, I think he's coming into play as a possibility. Possibility, possibility. Um, now he comes in more heavily as a possibility. Um, to the fact that his son Igor Larionov Jr. Um, has been rumored to have been talking with Toledo of the ECHL. Oh, so there's a Detroit route right there. Um, which means now now Igor Jr., the son, is born in Detroit, so he is an American citizen, so he doesn't have to be an import. Mm-hmm. Um, he did play in, in uh, the OHL in, Col- in Windsor here. Um, he also played uh, one season in the Quebec League, uh, two seasons in the OHL in Windsor, then finished that one of those uh, two seasons in Windsor with Muskegon in the USHL played last year in the KHL played this year in Sweden. So that could be with that. Maybe both of them coming over then Igor, you know, maybe, well, Hey, if my kid's going to be over there, why not? Now, another one I've heard is Fedorov. Um, yeah, like, I, don't I just don't know see so that. much about that. Yeah. Another one I've heard is Shelios coming back. Um, no, these just all spark interest because it's this core of the guys that are back, you know, Eiserman leading the helm of Lidstrom and Cronwall and Draper and Malby and McCarty and, and okay. I get it. Coming back is Fedorov coming back. Um, now what I think it will honestly be is I think, um, Rickard Gronberg, is it the Swedish guy? Yes. He's um, I've heard about him. Widely known as I'm not saying he is, I'm saying he's widely known. I got some heat on Twitter the other day for saying he's uh he might be the best coach not in the NHL. A lot of people are giving me hell. I so think he's I've heard widely that take, known heard as that one of the best coaches not in the NHL. He currently coaches uh the the Lions in the uh Swiss Switzerland League. Yeah, um, he coached Team Sweden to the gold medal at the World Championships in seventeen. He played college at Saint Cloud State uh, before going back to Sweden. Then he started coaching in ninety four at the University of Wisconsin. Was an assistant coach with Sweden under Par Martz uh, when they won uh, silver or sorry, yeah, uh, bronze at the fourteen Winter Olympics. Um, you know what? Yeah, yeah, and and there's obviously ties to him with Nick Lidstrom who he grew up with as well as ties with him. And of course, Red Wing, God scout, uh, Hacken Anderson. Hakana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some names that like I'm terrified of that. I don't want to be the coach are torts, Julian, um, Boudreaux. And one more that's high on my list would be Paul Maurice. Paul Maurice. I, I, okay. So, what else he was the Palmer one that is? stepped down from Winnipeg, Winnipeg. earlier. He's yeah, a Windsor and- guy. He played for um, Detroit Junior Red Wings growing up. Uh, played for the Spitfires. He's always oh, been around that. here. 
Yeah, he's uh, so, and you know, I think he, uh, I think he's still a good coach. I think it's sick that like we talked about it when he when he stepped down. Like he basically said, like I, I don't have the room. Like, well, I don't know if he said I don't have the room, but he's like, it, it's not my time anymore. These guys yeah, need they, a new voice. Yeah, they needed a new voice, which is like something that no coaches will ever say. So like to have that like non-ego coming from a coach is like very positive. I think that would be good for these young kids that are going to be siphoning through Detroit. Um, yeah, Paul Maurice. I'll keep that on the radar. I like Paul Maurice. I like Igor. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I wish, I wish, uh, Gallant was still available. I, I think that he would have been a great fit, but yeah, besides that, I don't have too many names off. off top I'll of my give head. you a real end of the radar one. Everybody can tuck under their hat. Kevin Hamlin. Who the fuck is Kevin Hamlin? That sounds familiar. Maybe he, uh, he was my grade 10 religion teacher played for the Detroit Red Wings in the mid eighties. And he has led the University of Windsor here to unbelievable seasons the last 10 or so, 15 years or so. And um, from my latest understanding of talking to him, he still has a good relationship with Steve Eiserman. Mm. And now I, it's been now almost a year since I talked to him, but um, he's been doing incredible things in, in Canadian collegiate hockey and, and with having a relationship with Eiserman and having played with him and Lidstrom and those guys, um, maybe he could be up there. Uh, yeah. Eiserman brought John Cooper out of obscurity. Um, Kevin Hamlin could be a guy that comes out of obscurity and, uh, was a, uh, you know, a high school religion teacher 20 years ago. Yes. And a guy kind of like John Cooper that I've heard, uh, the Providence coach, uh, fucking Nate Lehman. It's a kind of like a John Cooper, like name that who hasn't been a pro coach yet, but like, he's a college coach at Providence. Um, and then I, I forgot his name. Um, look it up real quick. It's the, uh, Islanders assistant coach. I've heard this name rumored as well. Um, Lane Lambert is also a name that was rumored. So I'm, that's Brad Lambert's uncle. Is it really? Yeah. So if we draft Brad- Lambert, yeah yeah fucking bring them both baby. bring them both bring them yeah, both that's overseas brad's, uh, brad's dad's brother yep yeah so he uh pretty good him. yeah he, he was with the trot staff in nashville worried that if he was a part of trots uh, one system, of the greatest coaches of his time barry trots yes agreed but he's also very defensive and the team does not need it well they do need a defensive coach but we have so much offensive upsetter now i don't want to like be stalled with a yeah we're not going to be a defensive minded team once we mm. start making it even our defense is very cider of mind yeah those guys want to push um, the puck and yeah let's not take away that fuck everything that anybody's ever said to you this year in your entire life more cider is the rookie of the fucking year oh 100 and i'm gonna cash that run that bet to the bank and made that before we even started this podcast so i already ran it i ran it last night and Cade cunningham rookie of the year Oh my God! He's that so good. Parlays. This is you gonna this first time that in North American professional sports that a city has won two Rookie of the Years. Last time was Boston, Larry Bird, Ray Bork. Not bad fucking company for Cade yeah. and Lucas. And or, we, sorry, also, we also we also Lucas. We have two more guys in Detroit that could win it for the MLB in Riley Green and Spencer, Spencer Torkelson. And Spencer Torkelson is the real fucking deal, by the way. That guy's going to be – his war is going to be above three in his rookie year, which is unbelievable. And maybe even the Lions win a game. Did the Lions – they're going to be on hard knocks this year, which will be exciting. 
But the yeah. lines are going to be, they'll be interesting. They'll be feisty. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's what everybody says about the Lions, and then they're just. That's true. I just love my Detroit team, so I don't know. Wish I, I wish I lived there. Got to get up there sometime. But all right, yeah. <laughs> good, good episode. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go rings. Let's go wings. I'm hammered. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> See you, buddy. Yeah, buddy.